Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bottle Up Podcast, and this week we are going to take a step back five years, and we're going to cover the 2015 season. Some of you, if you're a Kyle Busch fan, remember it as his first ever championship. If you're a fan of Toyotas, it was their first ever championship in what was then the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. It's their first ever national championship for NASCAR at the top level. 2015 is going to be the first in a couple of years that we cover as Cinderella years is what we're going to call them, where something just absolutely amazing happens and the entire year sort of just finds this storybook ending. And a lot of you people listening probably remember this year. The season started off where on February 21st, Kyle Busch, with eight laps to go in the Xfinity Series race, hit Kyle Larson, went down, slammed into a concrete wall without any safer barrier, head on. So he was helped out of the car. It was a compound fracture, a massive compound fracture, which is where the bone breaks through the skin. So not not a fun injury at all. So at a massive compound fracture in his lower right leg, he uh, had a fracture in his left foot, and then he had a left hand injury as well. And four months later, just about, he went back and won it back in a NASCAR race car. Three months later, he returned to the car, and it only took another month after that to find his way to victory lane. He returned on May 16th. Again, he crashed February 21st. May 16th, he was back in a car at the Sprint All-Star Race, and on June 13th, he won the Xfinity Series race at Michigan. That was his second Xfinity start of the season, his first one being at Daytona, where he was involved in that wreck and injured. Now, because he was injured earlier in the season, he missed multiple races, about a third of the season. He was given a NASCAR uh, medical waiver, which allowed him to compete for the championship, but he had to be top 30 in points, and he had to earn a win in order to qualify for the chase. Well, it didn't take him long to accomplish that. He had an up-and-down season. He had some great finishes, some really poor finishes, but somehow, some way. Kyle Rowdy Bush found his way into the top 30, found his way to victory lane in the Cup Series, and competed for a championship. It was an absolutely incredible run. I mean, lot, like I said, lots of ups and downs. But to come back, miss a third of the season, get a waiver, and then go and compete after a, a really just gruesome injury. Like we mentioned earlier, an incredibly painful injury to come back. That's why we're calling it a storybook year, because he went and won the championship at Homestead, Miami, as many of you remember. Now, a couple of other interesting facts that we're going to throw in before we sort of go into the story of Kyle Busch's entire year, how he managed to somehow win the championship after everything that went on. This was Jeff Gordon's last season, so towards the beginning of the year in January, Jeff Gordon announced it was going to be his last full-time season. He didn't rule out, you know, doing some racing on the side as he ended up coming back and uh, helping... Alex Bowman, behind the wheel of the number 88, Alex Bowman did some races, Jeff Gordon did some races, when Dale Jr. was injured with a massive concussion, Chase Elliott would go on to replace him next year in 2016 in the 24 car. Also, what I found interesting is that 2015 was the first season without Terry Labonte, without Jeff Burton, without David Rudiman, and without Juan Pablo Montoya. All four of those drivers, they were, they made their last starts, so, and... It was interesting to me that in 1977 to 2015, Terry Labonte made at least one start every single year. So 2015 was the first year in almost 30 years, 40 years, excuse me, 40 years that Terry Labonte did not start a race. Now, back to Kyle Busch, the 2015 champion. When he finally returned to the track, 
he actually had a pretty good run. The Coca-Cola 600, he finished 11th. The week after that, they went to Dover. He got caught in a wreck, finished 36th. At Pocono, he went out, had a great run, he finished 9th. And at Michigan the next week, he got caught in a wreck and uh, ultimately finished dead last in that race. Sonoma, he finally got a win at the road course. It was a late caution. It helped him out, and he actually ended up going out and winning that race. There was one point where he finished first in three of the last four races in the Sprint Cup Series. Absolutely phenomenal to just, in four races, win three of them. This was also the year he won a crown jewel race, the Brickyard 400. So he was actually still outside the top 30 at this point, but when he won at the Brickyard, he was 23 points out. It took him until the last race before he clinched himself into the playoffs and finished top 30. One race left. It was absolutely, again, amazing. That seems to be the story. That's why we call it a storybook year, is that with one race left, he secured a position in the top 30. He had the wins to get into the the playoffs. So he was allowed in, and just from there, it was an absolutely dominant, phenomenal run through until he got to Homestead, Miami. Now, Homestead, Miami was a fantastic race. Do not get me wrong, but he was strong from the beginning at that track. Kyle managed to qualify third, and he had some great, you know, quick lap averages over the course of the run, a great 10-lap average, 20-lap average that they keep track of in practices. So in the race, he was running top five pretty much all night. He was in the lead for a little while. But what really sealed the deal was that with seven laps to go, Brad Keselowski was in the lead, Kyle Larson in second, Kyle Busch in third. There was a caution that came out for debris, and it was a piece of metal underneath the flag stand. And people thought it was, uh, NBC thought it was a plastic bottle on the backstretch. So there was a bit of controversy there. But, uh, you know, a giant piece of metal sitting under the flag stand is kind of, you know, pretty good reason for a caution. So on that restart, Kyle Busch just dominated, went out to the front and led the last couple laps and won the race. Like I said earlier, it was Jeff Gordon's final race. And one thing I do want to throw in there is when he was running for the championship, he was sort of like the favorite alongside Kyle Busch. People were figuring they would be the two to fight it out at the end there. Jeff just wasn't really strong all weekend. He seemed to just be really struggling with it. And after 797 starts, I mean, I guess that means you're not perfect yet. Maybe 798, who knows. But Jeff Gordon went out, and I, I will never forget this. I was in the stands for that race. And, you know, we did all the pre-race stuff where we held up signs. It's like, thank you, Jeff, you know, things like that, made with banners up in the stands. But the one thing that always sticks out to me, one of my favorite stories from all the races I've been to over the past 10 years that I've been going to races, 11 years I've been going to races, is when Jeff Gordon took the lead on a pit cycle. You know, there's some pit strategy at play, and he actually came out with the lead and led a couple laps. That is the only time that I've ever ever seen the crowd or heard the crowd louder than the cars sitting in the stands you could not hear the cars over people cheering for Jeff Gordon when he took the lead what was ultimately for the last time there in the number 24 car everyone sort of realized the moment the importance of it and just went absolutely wild cheering there was nobody there that wasn't a Jeff Gordon fan and Personally, I would have liked to have seen him win the championship back that in 2015 before I was, you know, working media and this, that, and the other, and I was just a fan. I was a huge Jeff Gordon fan. I would have killed to see him win the championship. But Kyle Busch, after missing the first third of the season, missed 11 races, had a massive compound fracture in his right leg, broke his left foot as well, had a hand injury. 
overcame it all, and with seven laps to go, had a lucky caution, went out, and on a green-white checkered, got into the lead, and won the championship with six laps to go. He got into the front and just absolutely dominated from there. Never looked back. So you really can't write an ending like that. You can't you can't downplay the significance of it. And it's a year that even now, to be injured like that and to come back, win multiple races and some crown you know, the crown jewel event of the Brickyard four hundred and win at one point three of the last four races, he was in there to win it. And it was just one of those things that came together perfectly for that number eighteen team. He won it all, and he got the championship that some argue he didn't deserve. Some say it's illegitimate, but he came back in 2019 and really proved the haters wrong. (laughs) 2019, he just dominated from the beginning of the year until the end and won his second championship. So going down in the history books, 2015 was the year that the guy who didn't start every race after after a massive wreck, the first race of the season for a different series, Massive injuries that, you know, would put some drivers out of the car, at least for the season, if not the rest of their lives. Kyle Busch came back, won the championship in what was a storybook year 2015 for many reasons. But Kyle Busch came out on top. If you enjoyed this, you know where you can find us on Twitter, at Bottled Up Radio. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you want a certain person on the show. You want, oh, you want to hear from you know, XYZ driver that runs at a local track in California, or you want to hear NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty, we'll work our best to get anyone that you want to see on the show on the show. Everyone, thank you so much for listening in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bottled Up.